Ryan mentioned something to me recently that whenever there's a guest speaker, anybody other than me, I notice on Facebook and everywhere, <laughs> so many likes and everything. And it's like, it, it's, it's making me resentful. I'm, I'm you know, when, when Pastor Mel speaks it's like oh the likes are through the roof when i do it it's like so i'm so i'm gonna add some real circus things in the next few times so it'll be something no one will ever forget all right no not really father open our hearts to your word and um, do a good work in us we pray in jesus name amen amen Amen. before the service we were just praying uh, a few of us, and that idea of um, routine came up, and I'm a fan of routine. R- routine is, can be a really good thing, amen? I mean, there are certain things that are routine that we live by, and we, it, it helps us uh, get stuff done. It helps us know how to plan. R- I'm a fan of routine. We're leaving on vacation this afternoon, and whenever we go, and I'm not at home, and that some of my routines get thrown out the window, and I, I have a bit of a challenge with that in terms of, you know, my uh, Bible reading and my relationship with God because I'm in a different place and all these kinds of things. But empty routine, I, I will happily jettison because empty routine, where we do things just out of routine, but there's no longer any... Uh, substance in it. I don't want that. So every time we gather, even these July uh, days where so many are traveling, I'm trusting that God is looking and saying, I can work with that. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. I'll work with that. I'll do something. And so my desire is that today, as we sort of wrap up this series on being filled, that God would fill us and would take us forward in Christ. Amen? Anybody want to go forward in Christ? I, I'm, I, I seriously don't want to stay where I'm at. There are some good things going on that I'm excited about in my life and in the church and that kind of... But I don't want to stay here. I want to go forward. I know that... We've barely scratched the surface. So I want to read these verses, and then I'm going to uh, preach on this. And the reason that Stryker said we may finish this series is because I thought I all week I knew where we were going with this and that this would be a good wrap-up. But I just as I was studying the Word, there's just some great things about being filled with God's Spirit that I felt like, ah, I, I don't... I don't want to leave that out. And so maybe when we get back, we can uh, pick up on this and, um, yeah, go from there. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to skip through uh, a few verses in chapters 1 and 2. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus, this is Luke writing, uh, and it's, this is a follow-up um, document to the book of Luke. And he's telling about, you know, the, the, what Jesus did post resurrection. Verse four says, and gathering the disciples together or the apostles together, um, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. 
For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They didn't really know what that was going to mean for them. But Jesus had continued to talk about this. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It ended up being about 10 days later. Uh, then they say, oh, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom uh, to Israel? Jesus says, don't worry about that. You don't need to know the times of that. Verse 8, but here's what you can know. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth or to the ends of the earth. Then it shows them, you know, devoting themselves to prayer. 120 people in this uh, upper room. We get to chapter 2, 10 days later. And when the day of Pentecost had come, it's a high day on the Jewish calendar, but when that day came, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, thank God, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance or as the Spirit enabled them. People start saying, what is this? And they name at least 15 different nations that people were hearing their languages, saying they're declaring the wonderful works of God in these languages. And you know, what is this phenomenon? And Peter stands up, and what does he do? He preaches the gospel. He preaches Jesus Christ. He, he stands up and prophetically lays out who Jesus is and gets to uh, verse... Uh, I'm going to just skip ahead to verse 32 after he's presented this. This Jesus God raised up to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, that's where he was going to, explaining this phenomenon in light of Jesus. This is the fulfillment of that promise. He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Skip ahead to uh, verse 36, Therefore let all house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were all pierced to the heart, or cut to the quick, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. Where are we going with all of this? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for about a month and a half, uh, except for a break in there, uh, where Stryker spoke about the call of God, about being called of God, which he includes in here. He says, the, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. This promise is for them. Where are we going with this? With being Christian disciples. Where is it all heading? Where do we expect to end up? Where do we know? We start the journey and we don't really know. Faith in him, even though we've just, even though we, for the most part in our lives, have just sort of vague 
glimpses of our final destiny, we have the sense of we're going forward. And Paul, at one point, says in Philippians chapter 3, he calls it the upward call of God. It's like it's on a on an incline, it's going upward, it's ever increasing, it's, ever, it's getting ever more glorious. And he says, even though we, we only see dimly, we have this final destiny that we're heading toward, and, we, and it's upward. We won't be disappointed. Tell somebody, you're not going to be disappointed by the call of God. And not just because the Bible explicitly explicitly says we will not be disappointed it says in Romans 10 uh, 11 and 9 33 it says those who believe in him will not be disappointed now I believe it because it's in the word and that was Paul quoting Isaiah I believe because of that but I also believe because I've had these encounters I'm getting to know him in line with his word and I believe that these encounters with him, experiencing him for myself, I'm seeing, I'm getting glimpses, tastes of his goodness, his love, the reality of who he is, of his great kindness toward me. I love that word in the New American Standard, uh, a, ver- a word that is often translated in NIV as his uh, steadfast love. In the New American Standard Bible is translated his loving kindness. I love the descriptiveness of that word, his loving kindness. It, it's, you know, what English does sometimes, stick a couple words together because just say his, you know, his great love, you know, that can get kind of vague, but his loving kindness, it actually speaks to that compassionate, caring kind of love that he has for us. And we won't be disappointed. There is more. He's got more for us. We won't be disappointed. We barely scratched the surface. Um, We won't be disappointed by where he's taking us, by where this calling is taking us, because it's taking us to him. And we can't exactly see it. I had a a thing happen uh, in the first days that I was a believer, I uh, had moved here, and I went for a drive one day like this, and I uh, was alone and um, single, and I crossed the border, and somewhere near Bellingham, I was driving on this kind of, you know, I was just out looking for an adventure. Didn't really have a destination. Now, in life, that can get us in trouble. Uh, You know, it can be great and fun, too, but it can get us in trouble. I was on this secondary road through Bellingham, which is kind of a little bit hippie-ish. You know, it was then, because I'm going back, uh, you know, a ways. But I'm driving on this road, and I see this beautiful forested area with trailheads. And cars are parked by the trailheads. So, you know, I'm free. It's a beautiful day. I'm thinking, I'm going to go find out where it leads. I don't actually have... A, a destination in mind, but I'm going to go check it out. So I park, and uh, you know, I was dressed wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and I start heading down this trail, don't know how far I might need uh, to go to get somewhere. And I, I'm passing groups of people, like they're coming, you know, in uh, ones and twos and fours and fives, and, and they're going past, and they're heading back. And I finally, I said to somebody, I said, oh, you know, is there, because by the way, they're dressed, is there a beach this way? I think, oh, yeah, it's great. And I, I, I sort of mumbled, oh, you know, I, 
I didn't even think to, you know, bring a bathing suit. Well, I'm going down this thing, and maybe you're catching where this is going to go. I come out into a clearing, and, you know, it's kind of an elevated uh, kind of clearing, and I'm up, you know, on sort of some rocks, looking down from, you know, maybe the distance of this room or even a little bit further, and, you know, here's this beautiful, you know, the Pacific Ocean, and and a whole lot of naked hippies. I, I, you know, I, you know, I'm from Alberta, and our hippies keep their clothes on even when they go to the beach because it's it's cold, you know, and the water is cold, and you just don't go running around naked. But I walk out, and they're everywhere, and you know, beards and. Hairy legs and hairy backs and and like and that's just the women. Then there's you know the, it just was like I mean it was horrible you know for a young man and I'm like I'm not going down there and you know somebody says uh, it sees me standing and I have to I had a beard and pretty long hair so I think they just thought one of our own come on the water is great it's like yeah no thanks newly saved and I turned and you know went went back to my you know van and came back home and got prayer you know to to get through but I didn't know where I was going I'm just out like and if you don't know you might end up somewhere you don't want to be with Jesus, he gives us an idea of where it is we're going, and we're not going to end up somewhere where it's kind of like, yeah, I don't want that. I want something good, and, I, and he tells us it's good. The good call of God, the upward call of God, the higher call of God, and it's leading to wholeness and righteousness, and actually it's leading to him. It's leading us to the source of life. Now, the end of this passage, Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 37 to 39, Peter has preached the gospel to them. He says, after he says to them, uh, verse 36, let all the house of Israel know. That's who he's been speaking to. And actually, the house of Israel means all the family of Israel. He's still speaking to the sons of Jacob, of Israel. Uh, Let all the family of Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. I, you know, the King James Version uses a word there. It says pricked to the heart. But that sounds kind of like, oh, I pricked my finger. It doesn't sound very bad. The actual word is much more violent than that. In, that's why some translations now say cut to the heart. Or cut to the quick, down to the part that really hurts. They were cut to the heart. Um, pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? He's left them in this place where it's like they realize this is serious. And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Spirit is poured out on Jesus' initial followers, on the disciples. The, the, it, it wasn't actually just the eleven. Uh, it, or, well, and by that point, there was a twelfth added. 
it says there were about 120 that had been gathering together. The Holy Spirit's poured out on them, and all that happens uh, in, in, that, in that phenomenal, extraordinary, supernatural experience, all that happens affords them an open door to proclaim Jesus. They stand up and they proclaim Jesus, what he did in his life, how he died on the cross, and how God raised him back to life, victorious over death. He gets that opportunity, well, Peter is the one that takes it, and he preaches this. It says in verse 36, now, verse 36, God has made him Lord and Savior, or Lord and Christ, Lord and Messiah. The man you're responsible for crucifying. And that's us, too. We're included in that because, ultimately, what took Jesus to the cross was the sin of mankind. So we are part of that whom we crucified. It was our sin that um, necessitated the cross. Peter took what was um, Peter took what was a great prophetic summation of Jesus' extraordinary life, death, and resurrection, and made it just a little more personal. Or he made it personal in a kind of general way. It would be like he's saying, this applies to you. It's kind of general still. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a vaguely general thing. The Holy Spirit takes it and applies it so that when it says they were cut to the heart or pierced to the heart, they knew this isn't just the per- like you know Michael and I are sitting together hearing Peter talk and it's like whoa man he's talking about you you really need this it's like it's it's piercing their hearts they know it's them that each one who's cut to the heart it becomes a very personal thing to hear what happened to Jesus and why he did that that's the holy spirit's doing the holy spirit inspires Peter to preach loud in front of all these people, and the Holy Spirit is working in them, just like Jesus promised, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he convicted these people right there. Both the gospel message spoken and the gospel message heard are made powerful and effective by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. They say, what shall we do? What? Can we do about this? It's personal. Up to this point, Peter has just laid it out. He hasn't said to them, here's what it'll require of you. And they, uh, what's the word? They, they jump ahead. What do we have to do? Man, I pray for the day that in evangelism, people are you know, jumping ahead of us and asking before we've even presented the response that's necessary. I long for that, where people are convicted. And it's happened a few times where somebody comes and says, what do I have to do to be saved? That happens sometimes where some, they're being convicted, God's already working, and they come and ask something, and it's like, that's glorious. I want to keep praying for that to be the norm. Like, not that I, I just don't expect we'll ever have to, you know, put in any effort. It, it won't be like that. But where God's already been softening and tenderizing and, you know, convicting hearts. So when the gospel is preached, it's like, what do we have to do? And uh, Peter makes it even more personal. Repent. 
turn. Individually, personally, you need to change your thinking and make an about face. That's what it's... What must we do? You need to change how you're thinking, change how you're living, make a 180 about face. No half measures. Oh, oh, you mean I'm going this way and it's wrong? Change. Oh, okay, I'm going to kind of go here. I'm... How many people would say, how, how many people in here remember when you came to Christ? Okay. And how many of you would say that maybe before you came to Christ and gave him your heart, you tried to sort of, you know, make, a, like, here's Jesus, and I'm going to go sort of this way, sort of along with him, like I like the idea of him being a friend, but I don't really want to do this and, you know, like, uh, you know, go all the way. I'm, I'm going the wrong way, but I'll kind of make a course adjustment, sort of. How many would say you sort of tried that? Anybody? Okay, both of you? I certainly did. It's like, I want Jesus. That sounds good. But I also want to, you know, keep all my other stuff. So the idea of having, you know, a little Jesus statue on the dashboard sounds about right. You know, I'll keep driving the same direction, but I've, I've got my little Jesus, and I just keep him in a box for when I need him. No way. He's Lord and Christ. He's no, no half measures like that. He, Peter preaches. It gets very personal. You need to change your thinking, make an about face. No half measures. Let each of you personally be baptized for the forgiveness of your personal sins. And upon doing this, he says, you will personally receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise that you will receive. I read that and say, wow, these people were... He's just said, you were responsible for Jesus being crucified. Jesus whom you crucified. All they had to say is, what do we have to do And he's saying, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that is God and was there at the beginning of creation, is eternal, is the same Spirit that was operating through Christ. You'll get him. Wait, didn't you just say we were responsible? That's right. You make that about face. The promise is for you. The gift is for you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gloriously takes hold of Jesus' followers. Then he empowers them to make Jesus' significance known. Then those who hear him are told how to respond and promise the Holy Spirit for themselves. And he says, for the promise is for you. You mean for us who crucified him? That's right. The promise is for you. The very people whose sin put him on the cross. The promise is for you. And God wants to give you the gift. He wants to fulfill that promise to you. He wants to do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't make the promise. He's not like that. So the whole, he, he says, for the promise is for you. It was made with you in mind. You'll need him. You'll need him to finish the calling, to complete it. You'll need him. You won't do it on your own. You won't get there. And the promises for your children, those over whom you have the most influence. 
The promise is for you and for your children. And for all who are far off. Wait a minute. For you, okay, great. For your children, okay, that sounds natural and, you know, uh, reasonable because we have influence there. But for all who are far off, those who are distant, the word is used, that word that is translated far off, is used in places where it means distant. It means geographically in, you know, another postal code, another area, another time zone, far off geographically. And, you know, that lines up with what Jesus said. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, to the far off places. You'll be my witnesses. So now here's Peter speaking that out or prophesying that out, saying the same kind of thing. The promise is for you, all those who are far off. He he says this, but... The same word is also used. I'm going to just flip here and read this quickly. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 17, the same word. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far away. And peace to those who were near. It doesn't mean their distance like a faraway land. It can. But it means you who are far away from God. He has just talked about you guys, you, you Gentiles, you nations. He has just said you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. The, the promises that were to them, the covenants of promise, you, you had no part in it. Now he has come, and by the blood of Jesus, you who were far off, were far away morally, you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Anybody qualify for that? You were far away. Thank God. You who were far off spiritually. You were distant spiritually. You were distant and spiritually twisted. Spiritually dead and darkened. Like before you come to Christ, Spiritually dead. In darkness. You were far off in pride and self-sufficiency. I won't ask for a show of hands, but boy, I I know at least one person to whom that applies. In pride and self-sufficiency. In ignorance of the truth. I didn't grow up knowing this. I was far off believing whatever I wanted to. Even I remember once somebody being, uh, because... um, my dad is black, and when I had an afro, I think it was more obvious that I was part black. Somebody who said something really racist, I remember writing something to them about, um, about what Jesus would think about it. It's like, when I think of it now, I had, no, I had more idea what the man on the moon thought <laughs> than what Jesus thought. I had no clue, and people are still doing that today. I know somebody related to me, who put a meme up on Facebook not long ago. And it was a a picture, kind of like an illustration of Jesus sitting, uh, you know, somewhere, and there were people around him, adults and kids, and he's teaching. And it was something about what Jesus 
would say morally, uh, and it was just this, well, if I'm harsh, I would say just a perversion of the truth that Jesus just says, and it said something like this, look, I don't care who you love, who you worship, it actually said that, whatever, and it said, why is this so difficult for you? As though those are the words of Jesus, I don't care who you worship, So he just went to the cross because it was fun? I don't think so. If there was any other way, he would not have done that. And it's saying this stuff about what Jesus thinks. And we get the words of Jesus from just our darkened, spiritually darkened mind? No, in here it says something about what Jesus says and thinks. And that's where I'm taking my cue. So here it is. In my ignorance of the truth, I even said to this racist guy, oh, Jesus would say such and such. I had no clue what Jesus would say. You know, I mean, Santa Claus, I know what he would say, but not Jesus. In You're far off in crippling fear and bondage. Maybe you've been abused and you're far off because you can't trust. Maybe you're far off in the disappointment of having suffered loss. It's not even something that you're to blame for in that case. You've suffered loss, but how you respond to it, you're far off from Jesus and what he'd have. Far off in having witnessed hypocrisy. And now I just can't trust. Now I'm not coming close to him because of that. The promise is for you. You're far off because of one thing or another. The promise is for you. Far off in time, even for us. We're far off 2,000 years after these things were spoken. It applies to us. We're far off. So all of this applies to us. Seemingly distant with 2,000 years of history between our lives and when the sacrifice was made and these events, the promise is for you. Again, tell the person next to you, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. Really. He says, and for your children, for those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. There's room for many, many more. I want God to give me a generous heart because that's what his is like. I I struggle being, you know, someone in the process of sanctification and that's what I'm thinking that perhaps when I get back I'd like to talk about because one of the key things the Holy Spirit does is he's the Holy Spirit and he is busy working at making us holy, sanctifying us, making us like him. And I'm pretty sure I know about you guys, but I am certain I know about me that I'm not there because I know what goes through my head a million times a day and not all of it (laughs) perfectly represents the holy savior that has called me out of darkness. I'm, I'm in a process. I don't say that to make excuse. But I'm being transformed. I have done things. Nobody knows that more than the people closest to me, than my family. They know. Dad's a sinner. They know it. They tell me several times a day. No, they don't. Really. Um, 
they're too gracious to do that. But the God is generous saying for many more. Many. There's, and I want to share his generosity. I want to open my heart and expect that, wait a minute, that person that I kind of judged that just cut me off, that I'm careless with how I think about, that actually the promise is made with them in mind. They could repent. The person that, you know, the, I want to share God's generosity and his grace. But here's where I'd like to bring this for this particular day and uh, close with this thought. And it's a long closing. So if you say that and you think, oh, good, we're almost out of here. We can go for lunch. Not quite. Uh, it, it's not really long, but <laughs> here's where I'd like to bring this, our understanding of where the Holy Spirit is taking us ultimately. We're forgiven. Beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful and freeing. Uh, we receive God's promise of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. That's wonderful. It's awesome. We cannot make it without him. We, Galatians 3 talks about that. Having begun by the Spirit, are you going to be perfected by the flesh? No way. I, I know it won't happen. I know I need the Holy Spirit to finish what God has started in me. Without him working in us and sanctifying us and transforming us to be just like Jesus, we're, we're dead in the water, okay? But look what will be, um, uh, look what Peter says. As many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. Listen to this verse. I'm going to read this verse from Mark chapter 3. As many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. Back in Mark's gospel, when he, Jesus goes apart, and you know, it says he goes to a mountain, he prays all night, he comes back and he appoints the, the disciples, the, the, the special 12. There were many disciples, but he appoints these 12. It says, um, whom he also called apostles. Uh, in um, Mark, am I in the right place? Yeah, 3.14. Did I say 3.11? Um, Mark 3.14. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and then he might send them out to preach. He appointed 12, first off, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. I, often, I think we often have put the second part as the primary. He chose those 12 that he could send out to preach. But it's like, the first thing was he appointed them that they might be with him in a special sense, close at hand, all the time. They might know, unlike what I just said about my family, those closest to me know what a sinner I am. Those closest to Jesus knew that what he was and said and did, and they knew he was consistent through and through. There was no deviation whatsoever from the, from the truth, from the relationship with the Father. They knew that. Jesus is shown, he's appointing the initial 12 that they might be with him. Revelation 21.3 shows this as an eternal um, 
primary part of our calling. Being with him, it says he's among his people, he's with them, and they're with him. He has called us to himself. He says here, this promise is for you, for your children, for uh, those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. That's where the Holy Spirit is leading us is to the Father. He's helping us get there. He's our guide to get there. To, he's taking us, leading us to our destiny, which is God himself. Not just to heaven, as though it's without Christ. No, heaven wouldn't be heaven if he wasn't there. The source of all, the most valuable, our highest good, the most desirable, the source of life, uh, Without death or sin or anything that's out of sync with his perfection, the Holy Spirit is leading us there, is leading us to God. So, I'll close with this. Be filled again. We've been saying that now for a month. Ask and keep asking. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled and the Verb is continuous. Be continually filled. Not, I got filled up, I'm good. No, keep being filled, keep being filled. As many times as you think of it in a day, in the week, ask God to fill you. Lord, I want more of you. I'm, I'm, the promise is for me. You say it. And so I'm asking you, fill me up, fill me up. More, more, more. Every time I think of it, I'm going to keep asking you. We're doing something. Ryan and I worked on our trailer the other day. I, I, he says, now maybe he was just being gracious. He said, oh, this is cool. I haven't worked on something like this. And I'm, you know, I was close to losing my salvation because of what it was taking to do this job. But, you know, he seemed to be kind of grooving on it. And it's like, you know, I, in the middle of it, we're encountering a problem. It's like, God, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. I need him now. Because I'm thinking about sinning. (laughs) Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. I want more of you. I want more of your power. And I want more of where you're leading this. Which is to yourself. Give me more of your Holy Spirit. So will you do it? Will you ask him? Fill me again with your spirit. As often as you think about it. Let's ask him. And let's open our lives. Fill me. I'm expecting you're going to. Chip off rough edges. I'm expecting you're going to convict me. I'm expecting you're going to encourage. You're going to challenge. You're going to, you know, stretch me. But all of it, if you're doing it, I'm, I trust. Let's pray. Father, we open our hearts right now. Let's open our hearts to him. Even as we were singing, uh, arms wide open. Here I am, arms wide open. My heart's wide open. My life is. For you to come in and do what only you can do, God. Inform, convict, renew, strengthen, sanctify. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us up. Speak it out of your mouth. Just say, come Holy Spirit, fill me up. Father, the promise 
Jesus says the promise is for me. So I'm asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit afresh today. Fill me up, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray you would fill those in this room who need your Holy Spirit for a specific challenge facing them. I pray for those who need the Holy Spirit just to grow in general. For those that need the work of the Holy Spirit right now to come and convict of sin in order to be saved, I pray for that to take place in this room right now in Jesus' name. If that's you and you haven't ever uh, yielded your life to Christ and never quite understood maybe till now that what the cross meant was Jesus took the penalty for our sin because it was too great for us to bear. He paid it. He paid the price for our sin. Died and was buried. That sin remained in the grave when he was resurrected victorious over death, over sin, over the grave. And if you need that, if you would say, I want what Jesus purchased for me on the cross and what he offers me in the resurrection, I want you to just even now raise your hand if that's you and you haven't received Christ before. Now's the moment you do that. Thank you, Lord. And just in response to that, I want you to just pray. And we can pray this together because it it stands firm even today. Even if you've already been saved, just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross of Christ where my sins were paid for. Thank you for the grave where my sins were buried. And thank you for the resurrection where eternal life was granted. Even for me personally to receive that. And I do today. In Jesus' name. Fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Lead me and guide me to yourself. Daily, hourly, moment by moment. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.